Thanks for checking out the Refuge Official Podcast. Wherever you're from, we hope that this message will encourage you and help you grow in your relationship with God. Now, here's our lead pastor, Matthew Malik. Well, good morning, church. We want to welcome everyone here this morning. My name is Matt Malik. I'm the lead pastor here at Refuge. We're so honored that you could be with us on this Easter Sunday. We understand that Easter for the follower of Christ doesn't mean just Easter eggs or Easter bunny or fertility and all that other stuff associated with springtime, but it means the personal, physical resurrection of Jesus Christ from among the dead. And that's what we're here today to celebrate. That's what we're here today to talk about. And my desire for you is to have a greater passion, a greater understanding of the person of Christ, his suffering, and what he accomplished for you and for me and for this entire world. So we're going to start with a word of prayer. I'm going to give you some humor in a little bit, so just don't worry about that. Are you ready for the word? We're going to get right into it this morning. But let's pray. Father, we honor you in this place, and we thank you for revelation, insight, and understanding. Father, give us a greater revelation of, of what Jesus did for us and how what he did for us has a direct relation to our life, to our lost state, and to bring life into lifeless situations. And Father, we just lift up Sri Lanka this morning, and we pray for those, Father, that have been affected by this massacre, this loss of life. Father, we ask for your mercy, for your grace, for your intervention in this moment of distress and loss of life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, good morning once again. We're talking about in this series, The Road to the Cross. This is part three. We're talking about Jesus' sacrifice. So we want to just bring to light some things about his sacrifice that I believe is relevant where your life and my life is concerned. Now, today in Christian, in the Christian world, we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ, commemorating his resurrection to life, being raised to life from among the dead. And the scripture, classic verse of scripture, when we talk about Resurrection Sunday, when we talk about Jesus being raised, is found in Matthew 28, 6. And it reads, he is not here, for he has risen, as he said, come see the place where he lay. And the women had come to bring spices to the tomb. They were going to, uh, you know, just come to the tomb. And, and they realized he was no longer in the tomb. And so... When we realize the tomb is empty this morning and we understand that Christianity is set apart from every other world religion and the fact that we have resurrection, we have a resurrected Messiah, we have a resurrected Lord and Savior who's living and alive and his resurrection power impacts all of us in some significant way. Now, next week, uh, Tim Kleiner will be bringing the word uh, in the last message in this series entitled Jesus' Last Words. And he's going to be addressing the outcome of the resurrection as well. So you want to be here for that message. Pastor Deb and I tomorrow actually fly out of the country and we're going south, way south. We're going to Australia to visit our daughter Mackenzie who's celebrating her birthday on May 5th. But uh, she's getting a little bit homesick, so mom and dad need to be by her side for at least a few days. So we're going to be gone, but we have some great uh, ministers lined up to be in our, uh, 
in the pulpit and minister to you. So don't go anywhere unless you're going to join us and go to Australia with us, okay? How many of you like to go with us, okay? Okay, all right. Get your passports. You never know when you might have to go somewhere with us. Anyway, I want, I want to, really, my heart as a pastor is for you to become passionate about this Jesus we serve. And for that to happen, you have to encounter him in a very personal way. And we understand when we look at Jesus, what he did, we can look at it from a, a, a theological uh, format or understanding, but it must become relational. It must become a revelation in your life and my life for us to really be impacted by what Jesus did. He's not just a historical figure. And we understand that the road to the cross actually was set in motion before the world was formed, long ago. Long before he was born into this world, God's plan for Jesus was determined. And we understand, and I want to direct you to a scripture we see in 1 Peter chapter 1, and verses 18 through 20. And this kind of addresses that which I just stated. Knowing that you were ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your forefathers. In other words, our life was filled with futility because of the damage and the uh, uh, disease of sin that plagued us that we received from our forefathers and ultimately from, originally from Adam. Verse 19, but with, okay, the rest of verse 18, let me just read this over again, okay? Knowing that you were ransomed from your futile ways, the futile ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. He was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was made manifest in the last times for the sake of you. For the sake of you, Jesus was manifest. Now, this word was spoken at that time to the people that were receiving this message, but this word is for you. Jesus Christ was manifest in these last times for you. Now, during the period of the Old Testament, lambs were sacrificed for the sins of the people as a type and shadow of what was to come in the promise of a Messiah that would save us from our sin, and that Messiah is Jesus. Jesus' sacrifice is the ultimate sacrifice. And, and how many of you know that sacrifice in general is not a concept that anyone really enjoys. Whenever we call this sacrifice something, we know it's going to be painful, something's going to hurt, we're going to have to do without. It's not going to be necessarily comfortable. The sacrifice of Jesus, however, is a central theme of Christianity. And his sacrifice is the means by which God delivers, how he saves mankind from sin and from eternal death and its consequences. John 1.29, when Jesus was coming to be baptized by him, this is the scenario. He made this statement in recognition of what Jesus came to do. The next day he saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. We want you to behold Jesus, the Son of God, the Lamb of God who comes to take away the sins of the world. See, Hebrews 10.10, I'm going to give you a couple of verses as we bring this message forward out today. Hebrews 10.10 says, And by that will, 
We have been made holy through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. The will there is in reference to God's will because Jesus came to do God's will. He came to be the sacrifice for you, to sacrifice in your place, to take the penalty, to take the punishment that you deserve, that I deserve. Sacrifice defined in the Greek is an offering. The word actually is thusea, is the Greek word for sacrifice. It means an offering, an official sacrifice prescribed by God. Hence, an offering the Lord accepts because it's offered on his terms. It refers to various forms of Old Testament blood sacrifices that we see of animals that were types and shadows that were awaiting the fulfillment of Jesus Christ. So the Old Testament, it was a sign. It was only symbolic of what Jesus would do when he would come and literally be the lamb of the world that would take away the sins of the world, the lamb slain. Now, sacrifice is an offering to God as a token to express thanksgiving, to acknowledge guilt, and to restore good relations with him. And I don't know about you, but I want to have good relationships with God. I want to be in good relationship and good standing with him. Now, that's impossible from my effort, from my ability. But Jesus made that possible for what he did on my behalf. Now, we understand that there is no gain without sacrifice. Jesus' sacrifice required that he suffer and die in our place. There is no sacrifice without some level of suffering You've heard it said, no pain, no gain. Romans chapter 3.25 reads in the New Living Translation, For God presented Jesus as the sacrifice for sin. God offered him, presented him as the sacrifice of sin. People are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life, shedding his blood, This sacrifice shows that God was being fair when he held back and did not punish those who sinned in times past. I believe this verse says so much. It states the fact and the reality that Jesus is the sacrifice for sin, that he sacrificed his life for your life. Now, there's three primary aspects or dimensions of suffering when we look at what Jesus did. Physical, spiritual, and redemptive. We want to talk briefly on each of these. Physical, spiritual, and redemptive. Jesus' sacrifice required that he suffer for us. And number one, Jesus' sacrifice was physical. See, he endured persecution leading to his death. In Psalm 22, Psalm 22 portrays Jesus in his suffering. I encourage you to read that at some point. Jesus suffered false accusation. He suffered betrayal by one of his disciples. He was condemned to die in an illegal uh, way. I mean, what what am I trying to say? Uh, An illegal court that that condemned him to die. Um, And that was the corruption of that day that, that really was part of Jesus being illegally tried and sentenced to death. Jesus was beaten with rods and by the fist of the Roman soldiers, the executioners who thrived on beating criminals to death. He suffered physical abuse 
In fact, he was beaten, the Bible says, beyond recognition. He didn't even appear to be a man anymore. He was so grossly beaten. Jesus was chained to a post and flogged with sticks and with a whip. The Roman scourging whip, it had balls of iron tied to it. And there were also um, strips that had metal shards or possibly uh, teeth of sheep that were sharp, that would, when struck, would rip through the skin. And, and the metal balls would bruise and, and, and beat uh, the one who was being afflicted by it. And, you know, sometimes when we think about this, and if you've ever seen the movie Passion of the Christ, I believe, like no other film, it depicts the brutality of how Jesus was beaten and how he suffered for us. And it was, it's rated R. The reason it's rated R is because it's so graphic. But it, I, it shows the physical punishment of how Jesus was beaten and punished for our sake. Even when each stroke cut across Jesus' back and, and his torn shoulders, small particles of his flesh would fall. The blood would, would flow and, and he was covered with blood. He, his skin was torn. The physical effects of the beating went far beyond the considerable pain it inflicted. With his flesh torn, he lost a considerable amount of blood before having to carry his own cross to the place of crucifixion. He was executed. The crucifixion was the most brutal and graphic form of capital punishment in that day in the Roman Empire, being nailed to a cross with large spikes in his hands and his feet. It was an agonizing death. We understand Jesus suffered for us. He took the pain. Number two, Jesus' sacrifice was spiritual. It was a work of substitution. And that word simply means he took your place. He became the substitute for the punishment that you and I deserved. He took it for you. And see, the realization of that has to come to home in our heart. Because I believe when it does, it causes us to weep. And realize, Jesus, you did that for me. Because it reveals his great love for us as human beings. He not only endured unbearable physical pain, he also took on the punishment for the sins of the whole world. In 1 Corinthians 1.18, the scripture declares, For the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. When you look at Jesus dying on the cross, doesn't it seem somewhat foolish? How could something like that that happened so long ago have any kind of effect or impact on us today? The world looks at it as that's foolishness. People are dying all the time. People are giving their life and sacrificing their life all the time. Why is Jesus set apart? Why is he different? Well, I'll tell you why. Because he came into this world not just as a human, but as God in human form. He came. He lowered himself to become one of us. You've heard the illustration of uh, the construction worker. They're about to, they're laying the footings. They're going to put a sidewalk in. And so there's this anthill. And so the construction worker gets over there. He takes a stick. He had a stick here. And he stirs it up, trying to get the ants to leave. They wouldn't leave. 
And he, he takes his boot. He's, trying, he's kicking them. And, and, and they're just getting upset. But they're not leaving. And so the problem is, how do you reach those ants? How do you save those ants? Well, the most effective way is to become an ant. And, and tell them, hey, you better move or you're going to be sealed in concrete. It's going to be your tomb. And so we realize that he became one of us so that he could reach us and redeem us and set us free. In Isaiah chapter 53, verses 4 through 6, we, we see the, in the redemptive chapter of the Old Testament, we see Jesus, the, the pain and what actually happened spiritually. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. But he was pierced through for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds we are healed. Verse 6, all we like sheep have, been gone, have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. See, we understand that Jesus' sacrifice is once and for all. In Hebrews 7, 27, says, He has no need, like those high priests, to offer sacrifices daily, first for his own sins and then for the sins of the people, or for the people, since he did this once for all when he offered up himself. See, it's done. He doesn't have to go back to the cross. He doesn't have to suffer and die again. He did it once for all. For people in past present, and future. See, now, while the crucifixion is horrible to our physical senses, we will never understand the spiritual agony of hell that Jesus experienced upon the cross. He, he bore that punishment, that penalty. Then finally, number three, Jesus' sacrifice was redemptive, resulting in resurrection, his resurrection and our resurrection. Hebrews 9, verse 12 says, he entered once for all into the holy place, not by means of the blood of goats and calves, but by means of his own blood, thus securing an eternal redemption, a redemption that lasts for eternity. Guess what? We get to live forever because of Jesus. Ephesians 1, 7 says, in him we have redemption. Redemption means to be brought back again, to be brought from the dead, to be brought back into right relationship with God. To be brought back. When you redeem something, you go buy it back. Maybe you sold something. Maybe you lost something. Maybe somebody stole it from you, and you go get it back. That's what Jesus did for us, okay? And Ephesians 1, 7 says, in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to his riches and glory. See, the personal impact of his resurrection is far-reaching. We are born again and made alive unto God, forgiven and set free from the power of sin and eternal death. Now, often the focus on days like Easter Sunday can be uh, on the event of the resurrection. But it is the effect of the event that impacts our lives. Okay, that's, that's what we need to look at. What is the effect of the event when Jesus raised from the dead? How does that affect you today? The resurrection of Jesus Christ is the centerpiece for true Christianity. It's the central theme, the foundation of truth in all that we believe. Without the resurrection, we might as well all go home and watch TV, Netflix. The resurrection is the crux of Christianity, the greatest display of God's power in the whole of eternity. 
Jesus' resurrection has significant implications in your life and in my life. It has everything to do with our life. See, the same power that raised Christ from the dead dwells in us. Now, 1 Corinthians 6.14 says, And God raised the Lord and will also raise us up by that power. Look at that. God raised Jesus and will also raise us up by his power. That's the power of resurrection. You can be raised up. Romans 8.11 says, The Spirit, if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his Spirit who dwells in you. I want to tell you a little story here. I brought up the stick, not because I need it as a walking stick. And actually, this was a little longer. And for whatever reason, I had some project at home. I had to cut it off. I think I cut about a foot of this off. But it was about a year ago. Actually, it was Saturday, May 5th, 2018. And we had gathered people at our home. We were celebrating two events same person, our daughter Mackenzie's uh, 18th birthday was on May 5th, Cinco de Mayo, and that's a Mexican celebration of, of a victory in a battle against France, okay, so Cinco de Mayo, so we bought a piñata, we hung it, we have a deck that's uh, on the second level, so we hung it from the deck, and we gathered the children outside, and I was the master person taking care of the pinata. In one hand, I, I, well, I was pulling the rope, you know, I was lowering it, raising it. And so we started from the smallest of kids to the largest. And so I would blindfold the child, I'd hand him the stick, and then I would step back and I'd say, take three swings, one, two, three, Maybe they managed to hit it. Maybe they managed not to. Made some contact. Maybe so, maybe not. And so as I'm doing this, everybody's having fun, you know, enjoying the day. There was one of the bigger kids who is pretty husky, pretty strong. And he, whatever he does, he does, he puts all in. And he grabbed this stick. Now remember, it was about a foot longer, so... And, and I made sure after I blindfold I'm going to stand way back and I had that rope and I'm pulling it you know kind of playing with the rope because I, I knew this guy if he makes contact that pinata is history okay so he takes three swings he doesn't manage to destroy the pinata and he asked me Pastor Mac can I have one more chance and I said no I said, no. He didn't hear me. So as I began to approach him to remove his blindfold, he takes one more swing. And when he roared back with all of his strength and might and began to come around, I'm jumping back. I didn't make it. This stick made contact right here in the back of my hand. And when that stick hit my hand, the crack could be heard throughout our neighborhood. And all the people around stopped and gasped. I heard this gasp. Everybody was taking an oxygen at that moment, okay? 
And my hand went completely numb for about five seconds. I didn't even want to look at it. And all of a sudden, the pain just went through my nerve endings. And it just began to rack through my body. And this young man realized what he did when I removed the blindfold from his eyes. I'm in pain. I'm in anguish. And this boy says, Pastor, I'm sorry. Now did I say, you are in so much trouble. No, I didn't. My first response was, I forgive you. And you know what? I know my hand was in bad shape. When I looked at it, I'm thinking, okay, this is a problem. But you know, his mother came by, a few people came by, they prayed, and honestly, God healed my hand. I mean, the impact, it had swollen up, like, almost instantly. This knuckle, I knew it was shattered. It was flat. I did not have a knuckle right there. It was totally flat. And I, I, because I could feel the, the crushing of the bone in my hand when I tried to move it. And you know, there's, there's a lesson that can be learned from this. That is, when Jesus removes the blindfold from your eyes, you realize what your sin did. Your sin is what inflicted that pain on him. And it was for you so he could bring forgiveness when you recognize and ask, Jesus, forgive me. And that's what we want to do right now. We want to take a moment and extend to you an invitation to receive his forgiveness. Because Jesus is here to remove the blindfold from your eyes. Do you believe that? If you're here this morning, you say, Pastor, you know, I know my life is not right with God. I I know if I were to die today, I'm uncertain whether I'd go to heaven. I don't know. I'm not certain. But Jesus died for you. And how we receive salvation, redemption, is through belief in Him, through acceptance of Him and His sacrifice for you. He took that pain so we could be forgiven set free so with every head bowed nobody looking around right now I want to extend an invitation to you if you're here you say pastor you know I don't know that my life is right with God and I'm ready in this moment to open my heart to him and put my faith in him and trust him as my Lord and Savior I'm ready to give him my heart if that's you lift your hand we're going to pray Let's stand up together. Let's everyone stand up together. We're going to pray this prayer together. Whether you lifted your hands or not, this is a believer's prayer. And if you pray this prayer, Jesus will forgive you. In fact, he's already forgiven you. You just simply need to accept his forgiveness. When Jesus was on that cross, he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. That was not just stated to those who murdered him to his executioners, that statement was for all the people that were witnessing his crucifixion and all the people that were living at that time in human history. 
all the people in human history that lived previously and those past, present, and future, and even today, that statement comes to us. Jesus on the cross in his dying breath said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Why? Because the blindfold was on our eyes. We're sinning. We're in this bondage. We can't help ourselves. But when the blindfold is removed, we realize what our sin has done. But Jesus paid the price. So repeat this prayer after me if you would. And I call this the believer's prayer. We can all pray this together. Heavenly Father, I open my heart to you. Thank you for Jesus' sacrifice. That he gave his life for me. I believe he died in my place. And I believe he rose from the dead to give me new life. Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Come into my heart. I repent. I turn from my sin. And I give myself to you. Make my life what you want it to be. Jesus name. Now Father I pray for everyone in this place today that you give each of us a greater revelation a greater understanding of what Jesus did for us. Help us to live in the power of your resurrection and let that resurrection life bring light in the areas of darkness, grief and pain and heartache. Father we celebrate what Jesus did and we give you the glory and honor in Jesus' name, amen. Well, thank you so much for being attentive to the word. We're going to worship God in a closing song. Thank you for coming. Let this day be a day that your heart is wide open to let God do whatever he wants to do. Because I promise you, he wants to do something right now. He wants to heal you. He wants to bring peace in the area where you're just experiencing turmoil. Maybe some of you need a breakthrough. Maybe some of you need a physical healing. God wants to meet you at your point of need. God bless you. At Refuge, we believe all people matter to God. Thank you so much for listening. If you would like to connect further with Refuge, feel free to go online to wearerefuge.net or on social media at wearerefuge.